0: Welcome to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.
1: I'm film critic Gary Cogill. And I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. And before we get into this week's show, we just want to do a quick thank you to the Ritz-Carlton Dallas for having us out this week. We did a program with them, their second Live Oak Sessions. We did our our fabulous wines and film flubs program. And it was just really fun. It was outside... Outside the door of Fearings, and
0: doesn't the Ritz Carlton know how to put it's just on a, a really, show?
1: Absolutely. Listen, we had a
0: lot of people there, and they're sitting at these beautiful tables around the fountain, big screen set up. You could hear everything. We talked through about forty different films, and maybe five, five or so wine pairings beautiful wines. and beautiful wines. And you know. Uh, You were awesome. It was just,
1: it was really... You were awesome. It was really fun. It was, it was... And people
0: love wine and they love film and they love talking about it and they love hearing about it. Yeah. It just, it just worked. Which makes
1: what we do here so much fun. And then kind of a side note, I do want to say thank you so much to the ticket. I survived my first um, experience on the ticket radio and thank you guys so much for having us. Sports
0: Radio 1310, the ticket is the highest rated, uh radio station actually in North Texas yeah. and uh, yes you did survive and they love you in fact at the end of the show um, they said they'd love to have Gary and Haley back without Gary. <laughs> <laughs> because they're, they're all infatuated. Well, we Because had movie watching and uh, wine tasting is a
1: sport. Norm's a big wine guy. So, Norm's so a wine guy. That was a, we had a ball earlier this week. And Donnie we
0: just got back from, from South, South Africa, Africa drinking in Stellenbosch area. Yeah, right? yeah.
1: yeah. It, was, it was really great. Just a quick thank you to them. But Way let's get into the show, dear.
0: Well, this week, three new films are off and running in local theaters, including Ridley Scott's violent new horror thriller. It's called Alien Covenant. Starring Michael Fassbender. He was in the last one, Prometheus. And Amy Schumer teams up with Oscar winner Goldie Hawn. It's a nightmare mother-daughter exotic (laughs) vacation to South America. It's a film appropriately called Snatched. And Charlie Hunnam stars as King Arthur in Guy Ritchie's kind of eye-pop and eye-candy pop culture flick, Called King Arthur, Legend of the Sword.
1: <laughs> sword, so, sword for our wines this week. I admit I'm going to take a little bit of leverage on the pairings and and kind of kind of work <laughs> work the pairings around. Work it, Haley.
0: This is not topics. easy. A little it's bit a challenge.
1: Ridley Scott actually helped me out a little bit with his film because he's actually a winemaker. So we'll be pairing Alien Covenant with his wine, and I'll take the mir- mythical kind of spiritual stance that we know is a. Part of King Arthur mm-hmm. to pair with a favorite rosé because it is the season. Wow! And for Snatched I'm going to pair one of my favorite mother-daughter wines with this silly comedy that that made us both laugh out loud.
0: Yeah, we're not going to say it's a great movie but we laughed but, out loud.
1: We did, <laughs> but first Gary, you saw Aliens Without Me. I was actually down in Mexico with Patron which we'll talk about later wow. on on next week's show.
0: Did you just drop the Patron name?
1: We had a g- it was a really great time at their distillery in Mexico which again, we'll we'll get into on next week's show. But for this week's show, Gary, let's talk about Alien Covenant. That's right.
0: While you're drinking Patron and hanging out at the Hacienda, I'm in a theater, a dark and movie theater, watching Alien Covenant. And I'm pumped and I'm ready to go. I'm a huge Ridley Scott fan. Uh, and, of course, this is, I think, somewhere, it's the second installment in the prequel series. It's the sixth overall Alien film. And, of course, Ridley Scott did the first one. I think he's done, um, this is probably his third of these. He doesn't direct them all the time. It's Michael Fassbender and Catherine Waterston and Billy Crutup, who we like a lot, yeah. Danny McBride. And, of course, it kind of picks up after uh, Prometheus, which I thought was a disappointing alien movie. In fact, at the end of Prometheus, I started thinking that big giant guy looked like he just got off Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> and he's one of the muscle guys. He's in one of the de- strongmen. Yeah, he's one of the strongmen. And he looked a lot like it. And listen, technically, these films are really good. This one's a little bit better than Prometheus. And so what happens is there's this ship, kind of like passengers, with over a thousand people on board going to this n- new place to colonize. And of course, uh, something goes wrong and they, they get this pling, pling, and they're going to go rescue whatever's going on. Ugh. And it's like, it's a horror film, don't go in the basement, (laughs) just don't go in the basement. But they have to go in the basement, because it's really become a horror film, uh, rather than a sci-fi film. And so they get there, and there's the old Prometheus ship, and then there's the robot, uh, Michael Fassbender. But there's a crew member that's also a robot on the Covenant ship, and he's played by Michael Fassbender. And so they look at their twins Ooh. they're just one's an earlier model of the same one Ooh. with the same looks and they have scenes together and it's that's the coolest part of this film The other thing I think it's a cheap trick is that they go to this planet and it you can breathe the air and it looks like Jurassic Park.
1: And and
0: huh. so they don't have to, you know, they right. can, they can they breathe They
1: to be in spacesuits and.
0: And so they're running around. There's all kinds of things going on, and they're they're running around. And the baby aliens look like velociraptors, and the big <laughs> aliens look like large velociraptors. And they're they're creepy, and they're it, they're really bloody. And they're just ripping people to shreds in this movie. So it's gory horror. Gory horror, and I think with that's. Bad, go- a lot of. Sci-fi. I think it's going to help the franchise in attracting maybe a new audience. But it kind of def- it's defecting from its original, right? And I don't I don't want to be one of these purists. But the first Alien movie and Aliens, directed by James Cameron, are two of the Which greatest first two films ever made. You can put them in in one hand of with Godfather and Toy Story, and I mean, you put them right in there because these are great films. I like
1: that you just um, put Godfather and the Toy Story because in the same part one and part
0: two of movies
1: are are usually they, it's it, really rare to have them both be very good. Absolutely, and I, and
0: I think you can throw Alien and Aliens in there. We'll Star
1: Wars and Empire Strikes. I think Back. you can
0: put Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back in there, and uh, but we might go one or two more, and that's probably mm-hmm. about it. And the it's well, you
1: don't. I think the new Star Wars could probably go in there because you liked Rogue One a lot.
0: I'm a huge fan of the last two. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan of what they're doing with Star. Wars. I'm a the huge still. fan of what Disney's doing now with their with their live action remakes and what they're doing with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like a big winemaker who's buying the small boutique wines, but letting them. Show and flourish, right? Disney's doing the right thing in their in their movie department right, right now, and I couldn't say that ten years ago.
1: And you probably then couldn't say it for this particular. <laughs> no, not at all.
0: I think this isn't. I think this. I, I don't grade movies, but I kind of want to grade this as a B minus. Okay, yeah. that's
1: actually better than that's I,
0: not an awful score, and I didn't hate the film. But the mm-hmm. uh, I'll say this, and we say it every once in a while. The more I think about Alien Covenant, the worse it gets. Yeah, but when I watched it, I liked it, and it. It was okay it's kind of entertaining it's very entertaining, very violent, really squeamish and then uh, and here's the other thing i I want to say one other thing when you see the first alien movie and the second alien movie, and God bless the great Bill Paxton, who was yeah. in the second one, yeah. you get to know the crew, and the crew is a the crew is really important because they all kind of die one at a time mm-hmm. and in this one you don't really care about any of the crew members. You just really care about Michael Fassbender seeing himself as another android. And it just so he's not, yeah, the crew he's is ex- not real <laughs> The crew is expendable now. Yeah. And that's what that's what keeps it from being a really good film. It's not written or fleshed out. So you're well.
1: not you have no emotional attachment to any person in the film.
0: No. My only emotional attachment is stay away from the little Velociraptor alien babies. <laughs> That's it.
1: Were they at least cute? Are they cute? No, they're not cute. Okay. They're vicious. They'll tear <laughs>
0: your head off. Well, I mean, because like a even ferocious bunny.
1: Even even you know even crazy dogs were at one point a little puppy dog. Well,
0: and I said that you know there's the, that first alien movie scares the daylights out of me, and I know it's slow, but you know we have a, we have ADD audiences now, yeah. and we have to we have to fly through things, and and, and no, you don't, but they do. That's just the That's choice that Ridley Scott made. So I think it's a b minus. So I don't think it's a great movie. And the more I think about it, the worse it gets.
1: Well, maybe we can have a good glass of wine. Then. Let's do. Okay. Because I'm a
0: big Ridley Scott fan. We
1: are. And 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 he in his films has shown that he is a wine lover. He made a good year.
0: A good year with
1: Russell Crowe, which and and um. What's her name? I can't remember I just her name. Love her It'll come so to us. Much. But we uh, like her a lot. And. About the, the lovely uh, kind of chateau in in the Rhone region and in near Provence, Provence yeah. in, in France. Marion Cotillard.
0: Marion Cotillard. Um, a very young Marion Cotillard.
1: That I actually had a chance several years ago to go to that that winery in France which is actually there? very cool and you saw the building and, and, I saw and you the drove building up and we you, you we actually did a, like? we did a tasting with the family that owns it and, oh, wow. and kind of all the vineyards it's it's actually a, a really beautiful place and it's probably how ridley scott or, or why ridley scott chose his particular vineyard and winery to produce his wine because it's in the luberon region which is right um, kind of right on the edge of provence and in, mm-hmm. in the rhone so in s- southern part of of france growing you know very very earthy spicy meaty kind of Syrahs, Grenache mouvet to make these beautiful hearty Rhone red blends his winery is actually called Mas de Infermiers i hope that that is correct um But it's inspired by natural springs that actually have been fed through centuries through this, this part of the Rhone, through, through the Lubron Mountains. Um, his first vintage was 2009 and has continued to, to kind of produce wines from this region over the, the last few years. So maybe drink a really good Rhone Red, even a Cote de Rhone would probably be better than, than this, um, particular
0: village. I love that Ridley Scott makes wine. Yeah. And he made a wine movie.
1: He made a—and it's a beautiful—you know, it may not be the best movie ever about wine, but it's a really good one. I love it. I think, I think it's, it's so really, charming.
0: I think the second half of the movie is really good. I just don't think Russell Crowe is a comedy actor. Maybe that's a what it is. A romantic comedy actor. Yeah,
1: yeah. He was and a little odd in it. But.
0: I always felt he was a little off in it. We loved her a lot. Uh-huh. The, all those outdoor courtyard scenes where she works at the restaurant yeah. are beautiful, but—and but, it has a great ending, yeah, I I I think it's cool. But that he makes one because there's so many wine filmmakers that make wine. There's so many. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot the, of act. Well, they they lend their names to him often, but some of them get involved actually. Are
1: very involved in
0: that process. And that's
1: what's kind of exciting and it's fun when you can find a a, a really good pairing for for some of these films being So made. his
0: French one is uh, is called Mas des Infirmiers. De, yeah. M A S D E S I N F I
1: R M E R E S. We'll have a link to his website. Yeah. <laughs> to his wider on our, no, our I,
0: website. I, I liked it. Okay, so we got a, a we got an okay movie at best and then we have sounds like a much better wine. Yes. When we come back on one and film a perfect pairing, Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn play a mother and daughter on a South American vacation. And Charlie Hunnam plays King Arthur with a twist in Guy Ritchie's new film, and we will be right back. And welcome back to Wine and Film A Perfect Pairing. You know, that's the show where movies and wine go hand-in-hand, or in this case... Couple to couple. That would, would be you and <laughs> me. Cute. Okay, Snatched is a mother-daughter uh, movie. Uh, it became part of uh, kind of an unexpected adventure. They go on a vacation because she loses her boyfriend she in the opening dumped. scene. She gets dumped.
1: And they're going up all places. This is also kind of odd. Like, if you're going on a romantic vacation, Ecuador wouldn't be the— My first choice. <laughs> but, hey, it looked lovely. It
0: was all-inclusive. <laughs> And so, (laughs) uh, and she, and she, she'll lose the deposit and everything unless she finds somebody to go with her. And of course, her mother goes with her. And and it's played by Goldie Hawn, who won the Oscar for her first big film, Cactus Flower, uh, with Walter Matthau years ago. Goldie Hawn starred in Spielberg's first major motion picture, and uh, and I, uh, it was a train movie, and it was all shot in um, East Texas. Right, it was in Texas, yeah. Yeah. And but but. It's inspired by the relationship that the writer, whose name is Katie Dipold, or Dipold, D-I-P-P-O-L-D, inspired by her relationship with her mother. I don't know what that relationship was like. Inspired should be anything for comedy. Uh, It's directed by Jonathan Levine, and, of course, it's Amy Schumer Goldie Hawn, and then it's got weird Joan Cusack (laughs) and the the great Wanda Sykes. Okay, I'm just going to say a couple things here. This is a complete formula movie. Uh-huh. This is this could be mother daughter. It could be two best, best friends. friends. This film has been made a million times. Sisters,
1: absolutely. Yeah, and it's
0: under the cover of we're just going to go on a vacation, and of course there's a kidnapping and stuff happens, yeah. and they all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose, and guys are not what they appear in this movie. <laughs> oh, that's Hands, so shocking! Handsome guys at the beach who <laughs> offer you a drink are probably
1: have some sort of ulterior motive. And
0: I'm going to say 20 things. I could say 20 things that are wrong with this film. Because and there's a lot of people that don't like this film at all. I think we're on thirty or forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's it's not getting great notices. It made some pretty good money. It came in second over the weekend. I'm gonna say all these things that are wrong with it, and you know what? I laughed out loud. We both did a bunch.
1: Yeah. It's. I will say. Is that
0: because we actually had a bottle of wine in your purse,
1: Gary Cogill. No, I didn't don't say, that.
0: say that. Oh, I would never ever do anyway,
1: that. Anyway, um, I think it's because Amy Schumer one reminds us so much of your oldest daughter. So that that could be a funny <laughs> Amy little... Schumer
0: reminds me of Craig, <laughs> she Of does. my oldest daughter.
1: <laughs> so there's always this kind of funny little 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 moment there. But there are definitely some kind of laugh out loud moments. Amy there Schumer are. is funny. She's
0: funny the, and she's vulgar.
1: The yes. The um. The script may not be that good. It certainly wasn't Trainwreck, but...
0: Trainwreck's a very funny, funny. good film. Yes, but yeah. but
1: there's there are definitely laugh-out-loud moments.
0: This movie needed LeBron James. <laughs> it
1: needed.
0: Like, so Trainwreck had LeBron did, James. Yes. And that's LeBron, so cool. who's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a Goldie Hawn's first film, too, since 2002, when she was in The Banger Sisters. So, it's been a long... That's a long time. That was time. in 2002. Yeah, that, this, this is... It's been... Fifteen years for her. Wow! So it's been a long, long time. She doesn't
1: look any different. Or she's just kind of poofier.
0: <laughs> You're saying Goldie Hawn looks poofier?
1: She, she's she's enjoying her um her spa treatments.
0: That's a quote for a movie coming up. <laughs> go, see, go go see Snatch. Goldie Hawn looks poofier. <laughs> you know, I, I I just once again I, when it comes on cable, I'll watch it, and it'll it'll come down, and I'll mm-hmm. probably roll my eyes through half of it, kind of you know. And uh, kind of like Anderson Cooper. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets funny, I, I won't roll my eyes. I'll just kind of laugh of out loud. There's a scene with a tapeworm.
1: Yes, there is. I'm just going
0: to say a tapeworm. That's
1: all you need to say. You can draw your own conclusions. And man, I... I the other side I of Goldie Hawn, though, because now I feel bad for saying she was poofy. She is doing some really great things in schools and, yes, and inspiring kids and and giving kids the the... The joy and the momentum to to be good students and to be smarter and yeah. to, to take a mind break and and to to learn in the best setting you can so i I actually really appreciate that about her, yeah
0: you know I have lots of good things to say about her. I always thought she was really funny, I think she's funny. and and really funny, and she was just the biggest movie star for a long time after laughing when she got into movies and won an Oscar right away. But at the same time, when she did the first Wives Club and puffed her lips out and started, <laughs> <you> know, and <laughs> started wh- wh- the poopy, whatever they call that, that collagen or whatever, you know, and and she's so tan now, and yeah. it's it's just, uh, God bless Goldie Hawn. The movie's not great, but we laughed a lot. We out laughed loud. a lot. I'm going to yes. leave that there.
1: So we laughed a lot out loud, and and so this very kind of silly mother-daughter film. I thought it would be very fun to pair with a wine from Sonoma from a mother-daughter team. Nice. It's actually one that a couple years ago or last year because we talked about it on the show, we went out to Sonoma for their um, kind of wine country weekend and Mm -hmm. I was introduced to a a new winery I'd never um, heard of them before and now I'm excited that I know about them called Trombetta which was started by Ricky Trombetta Stancliffe. Um, She grew up in Sonoma. She um, grew up in a food-loving Italian family her family didn't really ever drink a lot of wine, though, but they loved food. How can food. you grow up in an
0: Italian family and not drink wine? Not drink a lot of wine, didn't. yes. Okay. They just It
1: just wasn't part of their, they entertained a lot, though. They had wine in their house, but it wasn't something that she ever really saw her parents yeah. um, getting into, but they certainly were into food. They were into the whole kind of lifestyle and, and celebration of food and wine together. Um, then she married and continued to live in Sonoma, and, and then kind of with her husband, Joined this this kind of like little home winemaking group, and I want to be
0: invited. I know,
1: and then they so she kind of became a, a home winemaker, which you actually can do very easily throughout yeah. California and and you know country or wine regions that have a lot of of grapes readily available. You can kind of do that, yeah. which is. Really cool
0: Source your grapes, make wine.
1: She got very into it. The she and her husband both did, and and then started taking classes at UC Davis, and and you know, kind of said this was something that that she wanted to pursue. And and as every great kind of circumstance happened, she she met a. a Friend through a mutual friend, and it was Paul Hobbs.
0: Paul Hobbs is the guy she met as through friend. Through
1: a friend, just kind of on a, a okay, random that's kind of the great Paul Hobbs, and I adore Paul. I think yeah. that he is—he's one of of the best winemakers in Napa Valley. had a, Has had a very long career working places like Stags Leap Wine Cellars. I think he went through Robert Mondavi at one point, um, but he has his Paul Hobbs winery. He has. Um, he has been a Cobos in Argentina. He's kind of, he has been credited as, as really helping a lot of the Argentines because he worked down there. I want to say for Catena, um, for, for, as, as they were trying to re, Kind of, I don't want to say rebrand, but re under relaunch, start start reconsidering. That's mm-hmm. probably the best yeah. the best way to say it. Um, how malbec was being produced because malbec in Argentina had kind of typically been just the the variety that everybody grew. They grew it in in a very kind of mass production state, so it was a lot of juice, maybe not as much character. And he he helped them kind of. Change how they were growing fruit, being a little bit smarter, smaller. You know, we always say that that smaller quantity versus large quantity is better, making it a little bit higher quality, and and helped a lot of the Argentines kind of change how Malbec is produced, and and. To where Malbec is now actually one you know a really really, yeah. um, highly elevated very you know high quality and and really beautiful wine from from Argentina and then again like I said has has his winery uh, his a couple different wineries in in California he also has one that he launched I want to say maybe two years ago up in the Finger Lakes doing Riesling in, in New York so Fun. he's he's awesome okay so they met she he inspired her through. All of these, you know, different scenarios. They, she, and her husband, Rick, Ricky, and, and her husband, Roger, started Trombetta, named after her father. And again, just you never know how things will will take you. Their daughter that grew up also in Sonoma. She she just had this very early knack for understanding characteristics in wine. Even in wow. grade school, she was able to kind of taste those different flavors in wine and, and pick up on the aromatics and be able to identify specific spice notes or specific fruit notes. And And she got her analogy degree from Fresno State is now their kind of day-to-day hands-on winemaker. I want to say Paul is still involved as their consultant, but mother and daughter kind of out there doing it to, with with Ricky as, as kind of the lead in, in sales and then her daughter... In the winery
0: Wow, Trombetta
1: Trombetta, yes And uh, they do Lovely Pinot Noirs Their first wine Was a Gap's Crown Pinot a, Noir From Sonoma Coast Wow
0: And it's just Kind of a fun So she ends up In wine Didn't start out To be in wine Right And then the daughter is Really is attached to it Even at a young age yeah. And they make wines oh, that's just awesome
1: So it's maybe That's um, awesome and, and as we saw At the end of Snatched I'll give it away It's been out a week So that's okay They make up And then they start Traveling together And they're like Best friends Yay! Yay! Yay. <laughs> Let's talk about King, King Arthur. Arthur, Legend <laughs> of
0: the Sword, sword. Okay, uh, uh, Guy Ritchie. Uh, Guy Ritchie was doing these Sherlock Holmes movies, and we go all the way back to Snatched and Lockstock and Two sm- smoke and Barrels. Different Snatched. Yeah. Different, yeah. <laughs> Lock, stock, and two smoke and barrels, which I think are really wonderful films. But he's never, never got past. He's never got up to that level again, I don't think. And of course, this is Charlie Hunnam, who was in the Lost City of Z and great. And I think that's an Oscar-level film. It's got Jimin Hansu in it. It's got Jude Laws, the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Eric, Eric Bana is in it, supporting roles. Uh, the film bombed opening weekend. It did about fifteen million. It came in third. Uh, it's projected to lose around 150 million. Oh. Now I, I don't know if it will. You know, it's got to open again. It's got to continue and see what it does this weekend. It was pretty full when we saw it in in the theater. I thought it was a half half of a film. I thought it was kind of interesting the way it started. It's the whole backstory,
1: right? It's, so it's it's, pre-Guinavir. it's, it's pre-Guinavir. pre Guinevere. It's pre. So there's pre- no Guinevere in it. It's pre exactly. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. Arthur is basically trying to become king.
0: It is the opposite of Camelot.
1: Yes it is.
0: Stylistically, everything about it. (laughs) Everything about it. It's 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 another movie for ADD. And I'm (laughs) just gonna say that it's and it's got elephants the size they're ten storey tall elephants. They're not two story. No. They're huge. The
1: the thing about it, it seems like they
0: It's very Lord of the Ringsy.
1: It's very Lord of the Rings and very I don't even know. And that's not a good analogy. No. it's no. it, 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 it was all over the board. It's a
0: fantasy film, so mm-hmm. it looks like a fantasy film. It looks like King Kong could walk in any minute, actually, start wiping people out. And then mm-hmm. Godzilla could show up, but he doesn't. And then Lord of the Rings, you know, Gandalf... We, we,
1: right, it's Merlin Gandalf. And yeah, and,
0: <laughs> and it's not. And and so half of it I kind of liked.
1: Yeah, half of it
0: I kept watching, and I really liked the music score a lot. I thought it was really cool, and it was different and edgy. But the movie's not edgy at all. So busy. It's confusing, and it's kind of convoluted. And I don't think it's a very good film at all. I was really, really disappointed in it because I, I I knew it wasn't going to be a great film, and nobody was writing really great things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it started off with really, really low-rated film, and so sometimes you're surprised and think, "Well, what? You know, this is better than that." And it wasn't. In fact, by the end of it, I I, I couldn't get out of the theater fast enough. Mm-hmm. I was ready to go. I was ready to go halfway through. So it didn't work for me. I'm just I, I didn't connect with it. I didn't I didn't really care about it. And it's huge. It's a huge.
1: What's huge, the budget on that film? I have you know? no
0: idea. It's got to be over 100
1: million. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, well over that. Well, I expected to lose 150 million, and it's a and it's made fifteen million, so it's might, it might have been close to two hundred million. I have to look that up. So I'll get back to you on the budget. Oh, thank you. So, yeah. And
1: and I'll say maybe a, a wine that's doing much better budget wise. Yeah, can we can we, <laughs> can we yeah. actually have a really good wine to, to pair with this? Let's take
0: good wine with it, not not so good. Film.
1: So I admit I'm going to take complete leverage on this one. So um, within the film, we do see the Lady of the Lake that we know through through legend. Of Arthur Pendragon, Mm that the Lady of the Lake is who gave Arthur the sword, gave Arthur Excalibur. So, what is the Lady of the Lake? Is she a water nymph? Is she a is she a witch? Is she just a How do you know she's a witch? Is she a spirit?
0: She looks like one. Is she
1: an angel just coming through the the sky? (laughs) She
0: turned me into a newt.
1: So I got better. Thank you. Um so I'm going to say that maybe she's an angel and pair with Whispering Angel Rose. Okay, ding ding ding.
0: <laughs> We've got a pairing people. Whispering Angel
1: which is uh, Chateau Desglens? There, um, it was almost their entry level wine. The, uh, it's a winery in Provence, um, started by Sasha Lachine, um, the, bo- whose family owns a, a rather large chateau in mm-hmm. Bordeaux. But yeah. he kind of went off on his own. There's not
0: very many small chateaux. Two thousand
1: six, and started. Um, w- Started the winery, bought about, I want to say, 150 acres of of That's a lot. vines mm-hmm. in Provence, kind of a struggling winery at the time. Rosé wasn't very hot. So, uh, he thought that their kind of lead wine was going to be their $100 bottle of Provence Rosé, as as we've seen Several of them. There's some... It, that's not an uncommon thing. That's hard to pay 100 for it's a It's hard Risa. to pay, but there are beautiful ones, and I... Sure. There are ones I would actually... I I would be thrilled to because it's a really beautiful wine even though it's a wine that you do drink very young. But along with this, they released their Whispering Angel and it was almost it was kind of their secondary wine. It wasn't supposed to be something that that would get all the the fame and the acclaim. And yet this wine has just taken off. Their first vintage, they released one hundred sixty thousand bottles. They are on. Wow! Right now, 2016, they are supposed to release 4.6 million bottles of Whispering from the Angel 2016 vintage, and they'll
0: probably sell all of them. And
1: they'll sell all of them. And this is also the interesting thing I've said a few times on the show, uh, just because I do love rosés from Provence. That is the the place to look for great rosé. It's it's has all of those beautiful herb de Provence notes. It's made from Syrah, Grenache, and so it's it's going to have lots of juicy fruit flavors, lots of watermelon and tangerine. I'd love a rosé from Provence. But the interesting thing about many wineries in Provence is that 85% of, of the wines that are produced in Provence stay in Provence. They sell them directly out the, their, their back doors to everybody going down the French Riviera for their summer holiday. 92% of the wines that, that Whispering, of 92% of Whispering Angel is actually exported, of which I want to say America gets like 20% of it Wow. Yes. So so
0: they're flipping that. Usually yeah. they sell out of their just. They, bond, but they're they flipping they have that
1: they have figured out the export what market a and they have ex, they're exporting this beautiful. It's a great little wine. I think the first time we had it was was probably not long after. Is his it reasonable? First vintage. Yeah, we had it. Um, we had it Parigi early, early on, right okay. up like probably like, two thousand eight, two thousand ten, um. I love this. I do love this wine. I want to say it's probably like a twenty dollars rosé. It's it's similar to like a Miraval or or a, a Domaine or something like that. Nice. But really, really. Really nice, really beautiful, and it of course has a beautiful rose packaging that all the the rosés from. And France does it look really. like salmon color? It's a very light color because I know that that's what you like. That's in my particular. deal, and that's
0: my deal on rosés. I like that lighter color. You want to, color.
1: It's you know that. I don't want it on
0: the skins too long.
1: The, that's very good. But the nice thing about it, it is very very light, and it hasn't the fruit hasn't been on the the juice hasn't stayed on the skin very long, so it does just get that like hint of pink. Um, which makes it a wine you can drink all day, hence rosé all day. Yeah. Um, it's maybe not something you want to pair with something maybe a little heartier. Because I actually think the rosés that do have a little bit of a richer, deeper color yes. will be a better kind of food pairing wine. But this is the kind of wine you do. You you open it early in the day. You keep it nice and chilled. Enjoy it.
0: I love it. Yeah. Whispering Angel. Way to upgrade the movie. <laughs> King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Yes. Hey, coming up on Saturday, June the third. So wrap your head around this. We're gonna we're guests of the city of Waxahachie. I can't wait. We're we're doing a Waxahachie, uh, Texas wine and film event in the Waxahachie Civic Center Saturday, June third. It starts at six o'clock in the evening. If you go to the Crossroads Film Festival, FF.com for film festival Crossroads Film Festival.
1: Uh, crossroads crossroads F- of
0: Texas FF.com yes. oh, or uh, uh to you, can, their you can get tickets. And we'll put that up on our website at some point. Too. Yeah, we'll put but it on our Facebook. Tender Mercy's Places in the Heart, Bonnie and Clyde, Urban Cowboy, Apollo 13, Waiting for Guffman, Bernie, Boyhood, No Country for Old Men. We're gonna talk through movies and we're gonna
1: pa- and you're gonna pair
0: wines so well, with the movies we're talking to.
1: The you. nice thing about this also, because yes, we have great wines that are being made in Texas, but we're actually Taking it a step further, and so we're going to pair all of these great films made in Texas with wines with the Texas connection. Exactly, because though we'll have a few Texas wines, there are so many wines that that have been produced from winemakers that that either have roots in Texas or or have lived in, in one part of Texas at some point. So yeah. I'm really excited about the. I hope yeah, like to see you in Waxahachie. Yeah, so it's crossroads of Tex, crossroads of, of TX. FF.com. dot com. Yes, we'll have it on our our Facebook also. but. Also, if if you can't get enough of us, we've got a couple tickets left for our Dallas Uncorked anniversary event. It's on June fifth. Dallasoncork.org has uh, all our details. I think we only have like four or five tickets left, but we'd love to have you there. Yeah,
0: but it's dinner at Sue's. It's
1: dinner at Sue's. And, Julian and Fayard great, is is our guest with our Napa Valley kind of. The winemaker's coming
0: in for your dinner. Uh,
1: yes, he and and we've got a couple people from his his wineries that are coming in. So it's going nice. to be a really really great time.
0: Good. Well, next week on Kogil, one in film, a perfect pairing, two more big-budget summer films, and yes, my sights are low or average. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, stars in the big-screen 2017 version of Baywatch with Zac Efron and India's most famous actress, Miss World 2000, Priyanka Chopra. Can't wait to see her. Also, Johnny Depp, (laughs) Jeffrey Rush, Javier Bardem, Kieran Knightley, Orlando Bloom, they're all in part five of the Pirates of the Caribbean film series. I
1: can't wait. I already actually know both of my pairings for these you films. Do? I am I am psyched for the for at least the, Just the pairing pairing wine with Baywatch is <laughs> going to be week fun. It's going to be very fun. But four. Um, if you'd like any more information on the wines or films we covered today, please check out our blog on cogillconsulting.com or through Cogill Wine and Film on Facebook. Follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill and see what we're drinking now. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Court.
0: And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and as usual, I'm looking for the next great film.
1: And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine.
0: Join us next time on Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing.